But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hey there, I'm Jesse Lin, and I'm Angela Lin, and welcome to another episode of "But Where Are You Really From?" Hmm. This week we're going to talk about media representation. So, why do we care about media representation? I think that what we see in the media creates kind of boundaries or barriers for us every day that we have to confront and knock down. We really wanted to, after reviewing the movie Tiger Tail and discussing an immigrant story, really dive into how Asian American stories are told in the media now, how it's transformed through the years, and where we think that it's going to be. Yeah, the reason why media representation and showcasing Asian stories is so important is that the media. For better or for worse, represents what people think is normal and representative of the real world and who matters. So the fact that we are now starting as Asians and Asian Americans to be represented more and more in mainstream media, not just TV and film filmed in our motherland countries, makes it so that we're being legitimized as like just as important as anyone else in society versus before when you never saw Asians on the silver screen. You know, I think at least for me growing up, it was like, am I normal? Is this like how come I don't see anyone who looks like me when I watch something, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why we care. But let's get into kind of where is it now? My perspective is that we're in a way better place than we were when movies and TV and all that first started. So obviously, the fact that Jesse and I were able to dedicate a whole episode to a movie about the Taiwanese immigrant story last week says a lot about kind of the breadth and depth of Asian stories that are able to be told today. But back when TV and film first started, Asians were actually included as characters, but in super problematic ways. So if you think about things like Breakfast at Tiffany's, all of these like old school productions that people constantly think of as cult classics, they have Asian characters in them. And yet they're actually played by white people. And they're always played in this super stereotypical, like, exaggerated, frankly, racist way. So that character in Breakfast at Tiffany is like, he's wearing huge fake teeth, he has slit eyes, and it's played by like Mickey Rooney or something. Like, it's totally not an Asian person. And it's so offensive. Fast forward to like today, yes, we have like, the John Cho's of the world breaking through and like, not just cast because he's Asian, but cast despite him being Asian kind of characters, like that's phenomenal. But there's also a bunch of whitewashing, again, white people being cast in what should have been Asian character roles. So some progress has been made, but fuck, we have a long way to go. Within the context of knowing that we've made some progress, but have a long way to go, we wanted to talk about media representation in terms of some big themes that we find either problematic uh, or are trying to get at kind of like why we haven't been fully represented up to this point. So the first 
theme that we wanted to hone in on was around kind of this concept of being typecast into roles. Yeah, so from what we were discussing before about how media representation is in a way a reality, it helps normalize and also make visible different people through different stories. And the way that those stories play out and how frequent and common they are create what we also discussed, which are, I feel, personal like barriers, both external and internal, meaning that what you see is basically what you get in reality in a lot of situations. So I think something that has improved but has continued to be a problem in media is the roles and ways that Asian people are used in those specific roles. So we see in a lot of like television shows or movies that... A, usually Asian people are not cast in lead roles. And B, if they are cast in any roles, they're usually very stereotypical roles. They'll have like the Asian person as a doctor, as a lawyer, as an engineer. So things that are very stereotyped to being Asian. And this is really challenging because there's a whole set of Asian people that don't do those occupations. So it's, I think, a problem to be only seen in that way where you you only possess these specific characteristics because then you also become fit into the general description of those particular roles. So if they're like very, those roles are all very like clinical, like uptight, straight, narrow roles. The roles themselves enforce some characteristics upon Asian people that we don't always want to adhere to. Like we're people and we have dimensions. So I think that the idea of seeing model minority in media is really negative in the sense because it forces you to confront this general idea of what others think of you when you know it's not true. So it's always really, really uncomfortable to see like typecast model minority roles. I totally agree. And I feel like a big reason why we're typecast is because we are not the main character. Most of the mm -hmm. time, these kinds of characters are just like background filler, right? Like there's a yeah. reason they're one dimensional is because it's like, oh, we had to like check a box of like, we included some minorities in the cast or whatever, but mm -hmm. like there, I don't have time nor do I care to flesh out this character to have their own story or personality to enhance just the super one dimensional stereotype that I'm attributing to them. Honestly, I think that's the biggest shame in the whole way that Asian people are represented because what you just said is basically that it's lazy thinking, right? Like mm -hmm. they don't want to take the time to flesh out, to really think about how a character's background can really play into how they're seen in that particular scene or movie or whatever. So I, I personally think it's just a shame because it's also an opportunity to really improve the stories we're telling by integrating a wider, a more dynamic range of a person into, the, into that role. All right, so speaking of kind of stereotypes, I, outside of occupational stereotype, there's also the way that Asians are portrayed in terms of masculinity versus mm, femininity. Mm -hmm. Let's split it by gender so that we can <laughs> represent. Um, I feel like from a like female standpoint, uh, certainly for sure, like in the older film, and I think even to, like more modern stuff too, 
Asian women are constantly portrayed as just these like super domicile, like quiet, obedient, honestly, just like dolls that are there mm -hmm. just to, like mm -hmm. please the man. And I hate when they are cast as like the trophy wife or like, fuck, no, not trophy wife. We don't even deserve that label as Asians. We're just the mail order wives, right? Mm -hmm. um, of like old white men, because then you really are just like, you're not a real person. You're just this like side thing that has been bought and is like serves one purpose and one purpose only, which is like sex and like to be there so that they're not lonely. That's like mm -hmm. it. Um, and it, I think it's rare that Asian women outside of the context of like Kung Fu movies, which <laughs> we have another like whole rant to talk about, but like in, when they are not the main character and it's not within the context of like a historical drama or, or Kung Fu type movie, like Asian women just are portrayed as like meek yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, even in the movies where you do have strong Asian women leading, a lot of the times they're written in a way where it's like, she's portraying inner strength and they're just like putting her through the ringer. And you're kind of just like, okay, but like she she could have portrayed also like- Outer strength. Outer, mm -hmm. outer strength and confidence. Like she didn't have to be written in that way. So I like 100% agree with you on that. From the masculinity side, I actually, think it is pretty tied to the role in some aspects and in other aspects it's not. And what I mean by that is if you think about those roles that we just discussed, doctors, lawyers, engineers, these are very male dominated industries. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a very interesting typecast to put an Asian man into a male dominated industry because they align, right? So you're like very logical, methodical male in a logical, methodical industry. But then when you try to get into like the nuance of the character, bring more depth into the character, you start to see that that's not like consistently applied. Especially when you look at romantic movies or mm -hmm. movies that have scenes of romance in them, there's almost never any way where an Asian male is seen as sexy. And it's so funny because on one hand, you have them in these like very, lack of a better term, manly roles. But on the other hand, you refuse to acknowledge the fact that they can also be seen as desirable, attractive men. So you only have like one piece of that person, which always comes off as one dimensional, right? It's just like, this person is a doctor and that's really all there is to them. Which when you're watching something that's dramatic, that's emotional, that's trying to get a rise out of you, seeing that is kind of just like, oh, okay, like this is not, like I don't really, I can't connect with that because that person just literally has that one, one facet to them. Yeah. And I also feel like this de-emphasis on masculinity and like being sexy or portrayed as sexy for men is super detrimental in the real world, right? Because I definitely remember seeing uh, some stats around like online dating from mm -hmm. maybe a few years ago, but like Asian men are like, the least desirable statistically or, or like one of the least desirable groups of people on online dating at least i think it was only for straight people but like yeah the stat i saw was was reflecting that and i think it is because people are seeing these reinforced like fake fake stories about what a a male asian is supposed to be like so they just 
assume that like they're not able to find their sexy, hunky, masculine man in an Asian because that's what media is telling them about these people. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, like, I can just anecdotally say, like, when I was on Grinder here, that's how I felt. When I was on Grinder in Asia, I felt like a freaking celebrity. <laughs> I was like being hit up like nonstop. So it, it 100% is because yeah. the local people in Asia are used to seeing themselves represented in the media. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they are attracted to the people there because those are the people there. But here where we have a mix of people, the media is still predominantly portraying masculine sexualized role as like this one kind of binary and then everyone else kind of just misses out yeah okay we kind of touched on kung fu and martial arts and i did want to dive in a little bit here because in terms of kind of like additional stereotypes and ways that Asians have been able to break into Hollywood for better or for worse. I mean, the like Bruce Lee's of the world, right? Like we're able to kind of mainstream the presence of Asian people in Hollywood, um, like in very early days, but that is only because it was kind of through this accepted vehicle that white people felt like okay and not threatened by, which is, kung fu and martial arts because they're like well yeah asian people do those things and we don't do those things that's fine it's like an asian man is is the one kind of being the star lead here but i think it was really hard for us to break away from that like think about jackie chan right like he was only doing martial art related shit yeah yeah asians just kind of had to like accept the the roles that white film producers and directors and writers were willing to cast them in because it was like, take it or leave it. You want to be in this or not? Like you're only allowed to fit in this certain square that we accept you to be in. So Mm -hmm. go for it or don't. Unfortunately, I feel like for a lot of Asian American actors, really like their only opportunity to make it big in Hollywood was probably to do one of those blockbuster films where the role is one of those fetishized things that people like about Asian culture with the hopes that you could do like a wider range of work afterwards. Mm. But to what you were saying about Jackie Chan, I think he has done different movies with wider, like a wider scope, but definitely not like American blockbusters. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't want to be stuck in that position where they are basically like you're you're always the kung fu person you're always making the you're always making the kung fu movies so i think that part of that leads to hesitance in producing stories like these because people don't necessarily want to be like that person who's always going to be making that story so we're getting into this like uh people not wanting to like pigeonhole themselves into Mm -hmm. certain roles or story types and i do think there are some good examples of asian and asian american folks in the entertainment industry today that are trying really hard not to be pigeonholed and stuff Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. aquafina is a really Mm -hmm. good example like I mean, she was this like unexpected breakout, right? To be in Ocean's 8 with like all those huge white and Mindy Kaling, but like, um, love Mindy. And it didn't matter that she was Asian in that, you know, like Mm -hmm. she just happened to be Asian. And then like, she's been very thoughtful of the roles that she's 
taken since then. And even if she's in quote unquote Asian movies, like they are ones that shot that tell the story in like a genuine and and positive light, right? So like The Farewell was definitely like a very breakthrough mm -hmm. movie in terms of like kind of crossing that barrier of English and caption like necessary type movie and mm -hmm. like telling the Chinese family and like cultural story in a really authentic way. And then now she's actually in, she's in a like Viacom show where she's like a stoner and like a college dropout or something like just like defying the norms of, mm -hmm. of what Asian people are constantly being cast as. Yeah. Um, I think she's doing great. And then like Aziz Ansari, for example, is like, you know, always breaking the mold of what Indian people are supposed to be. <laughs> like. Yeah. He's a great example. And then of course, Minnie Kaling. I could talk the whole episode about her. I, I love her so much. <laughs> I mean, and it, and it does speak to the progress that we've seen that these individuals are able to pick and choose the stories yeah. that they feel that they can truly embody and bring to light. Because I feel like, you know, if Aziz or Aquafina or Mindy Kaling had been trying to break in at that mm -hmm. point in time, it would have been really difficult. But now people are interested in, in seeing and hearing these stories and that allows people to take more risks on the type of projects they want to do and the type of stories they want to tell. And in turn, it gives everyone more opportunities to do really interesting creative things and bring to light stories about people, cultures, experiences that haven't been told before. I think we're getting to a really important topic, which is kind of like, why haven't we been fully represented? Not a lot of Asian people are working in the industry. So it's hard to be authentic to our culture if you're not actually from our culture, right? I think that the reason why we're making progress a lot of times now is because we are getting more Asians into this like non-traditional career path. It's not something that was supported by a lot of Asian parents. So these people had to like go against what their parents are pressuring them, I'm sure as young kids mm -hmm. and like what they were supposed to do for their future. But like they got their way into Hollywood and like kind of paid their dues doing other things. And then now they have like credible reputations so like a lot of reasons the stuff's being produced now is because they're the ones writing it, like writing and mm -hmm. acting in it. So not easy work, but like we're getting it done because we're infiltrating <laughs> the system or ourselves. Aside from the fact that there are now people in the industry where there weren't before, I think part of the reason why we really didn't see a lot of detailed stories about different experiences in the past is that the general American population is not interested in seeing these stories because they're niche stories. So I think that's been part of the reason why a studio or a producer or a company would not invest in a movie or production or story that has you know, these niche elements in it. But I think part of that is really not true, right? Like we see now all these movies are coming out and there is a lot of demand for them and not just demand from people with Asian backgrounds, but a lot of those popular movies with Asian cast that just came out like Crazy Rich Asians or The Farewell are like really received, well received by a wide range of people. And I also think that people have stopped waiting just like how we're producing this podcast mm -hmm. we know someone's interested we're not going to wait for someone to green light 
what we already know, we're gonna go and make it. I mean, I do think one movie that was like taking good strides to change things in the right way is Crazy Rich Asians, which like, I mm. think is a polarizing movie. People have like different mm. feelings about it, especially among the yes. Asian community. But I am going to put out there that like, trying to be like objective about it in terms of like, okay, forget if you like the movie or not. But in terms of casting an all Asian cast into a mainstream Hollywood movie and really portraying the men as like super sexy mm -hmm. things that you, like people that mm -hmm. you really wanted to get with. Like I mm -hmm. remember being a little uncomfortable, but like also he 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 when like they <laughs> like panned in on a kind of unnecessarily long shower scene of- Ooh, that was such of a Jenna, good scene. Of uh, Chang's so good. husband or whatever at the time. I'm yeah. like, oh wow. So good. <laughs> like they're trying to change so I, I do think there are strides that are being made to try to like change that identity, but uh, it's like little baby steps at a time, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I also think that that movie contained a lot of things that were specifically things to break mm -hmm. the stereotype. So what you were saying, like having an all Asian cast, number one, having Asian males in lead roles where they are seen as sexy and sexualized. Mm -hmm. Aquafina was also in it. So yeah. female com comic Asian. So someone that's loud and boisterous as opposed to introspective. Totally. I I'm also just depicting like the whole gamut of Asian families that exist. Mm. So you have like Henry Golding's family who's fabulously wealthy. And we we have that, we know we have families like that. And then on the other hand, you have Constant Wu's family who's like a very similar story to our parents. So there's all these really great kind of things that are hidden in there that are like really, I really enjoyed because they're, yeah, they're like a big F you to how, how Asians have been portrayed so I think something else that is really great is some of the new blockbusters that are coming out are like this fusion that span the gap between Western interests and, and Asian interests. So uh, some of the examples that we've seen so far are the live action Disney remake of Mulan, where there is a very, how would you say it, Angela, like wuxia effect <laughs> to it, where it's like, it is very like martial arts, but the blockbuster is done in a way where it's very like almost like a Western action movie. So it's like combined two good things to produce a kind of happy medium between Western and Eastern filmmaking where there's, let's say, a more Western approach to the action, but it respects the roots of where that form of action is coming from. Uh, I do think this movie in particular is like taking something super familiar and putting a twist on it. So like to a certain extent, I'm kind of like, man, the distance just ripping off China. But in the on the other hand, I'm like, hey, whatever it takes to like get authentic Chinese storytelling and filmmaking to be accepted in like mainstream Western media so that we can start making these like blended forms of media more common and acceptable. So fine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good more people are exposed to it. I think it's also a really good example of how studios and companies in general are willing to take more risks on telling stories like this. It does really show how far things have come. I mean, I just, I, Remember, like, literally, maybe like two years ago, there was that 
Matt Damon movie, Great oh Wall, God, where he, um, <laughs> that's like the opposite of what we're talking about. To go from that to this, I, I think it, it does show a lot of progress. We've also seen kind of like, I feel like everyone talks about culture in the sense that it like leaks from the West to the East and like everybody mm -hmm. in the East loves our stuff. But there's also reverse of that. So like Bollywood is a really great example of something that's produced locally and has gained a lot of popularity here. I mean, within the Indian community, but also in general, it's just so amazing and memeable and just fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And also things like K-pop, Yes. Which which is not like movie media, but it's music media that a lot of people here are interested in that are not Korean BTS are super interested. Fucking killing yeah. it, yeah. It's uh it's like so heartwarming to see a bunch of white people singing Korean. They had to like intently learn those words and like what they mean and they do it because they love it so much and it doesn't matter that these guys are Korean. They're actually willing to go past that barrier to like learn a different language to a certain extent so that they can fulfill this fandom. And I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, it 100% speaks to the fact that if what you're producing is good, people will want to listen to it, they will want to consume it. It doesn't really matter who is communicating it as long as it's great content. And it's really great to see that kind of like cross-culture pollination where things that are foreign are coming here and becoming really popular. We're now in the closing section of our podcast, Fortune Cookie, as we always like to end with something sweet. If you liked this week's episode or you had some thoughts about media representation, please let us know what your thoughts are. Send your feedback, your personal thoughts, anything that you want to tell us about today's topic to our email, tell us where you're from at gmail.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E. So this week, we want to close with something fun. We're going to talk about which famous Asian actor, actresses we are currently crushing on. Yeah, so I'm a huge The Good Place fan. Really sad that the series just ended. But I love Jason from The Good mm. Place. Manny Jacinto. He mm -hmm. is so hot, as most Filipino breakdancer people are. Uh, but I also really, really appreciated that throughout the entire series, Kristen Bell's character constantly reminded everyone of how hot Jason was because it, again, like just is subconsciously reinforcing that Asian men can be sexy and it mm -hmm. like brings that anti-masculinity stuff that we were talking about before. So Jason from The Good Place, that's mine. How about you? Before I start, have you seen him read thirst tweets on BuzzFeed? Oh my god, yeah. no, I you should to. Oh, you should go do it. Oh my god, oh it's my so god. funny. Hilarious, I love it. <laughs> it's so funny. Okay, so for me, I am picking Will Yun Lee. He's been acting for a while now. He's like 49, almost 50. But I recently like rediscovered my crush for him because he was on Altered Carbon, mm. the new Netflix season. And he is smoking in Altered Carbon. Like he is in such good shape that it's like, it's like so amazing. And like, so I'm like immediately crushing on him. And he's also pretty 
like he plays the part like really well it's mm-hmm. like really physically intensive and it's just like amazing to watch him perform in the physicality of that role yeah, yeah almost 50 him. that's crazy yeah i mean go watch it and you'll be like that man is not 50 he's yeah. like the asian jared leto vampire for life yeah vampire for life seriously <laughs> he looks really good Ooh, gotta look him up. Yeah. Nice. Um, and to the point of sending us in stuff, feel free to email us with your favorite Asian celebrity as well, just yes, for chips and giggles. Please. That would be a fun thing for us to repost. Catch photos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. Well, so as always, we really appreciate all of your support each week. It would really help us if you like, follow, and subscribe to us at whichever of your favorite podcast listening platforms you're on um that'll really help us get more visibility and ensure that you get the latest episode each week and with that said definitely come back next week because we will have a fresh episode for you in closing bitches. bitches